everybody, and welcome back to the Arizona Field Podcast. It's been a minute, hasn't it? Uh, turns out I haven't re- released a podcast since, I think, around the beginning of New Year's, you know, beginning of January time. So it's been a hot minute. Um, of course, in that last one, we talked with Josh Kirshner. We're talking bow hunting and glassing and coos and just some awesome content. Um, just as it always happens, you know, life got in the way. and I haven't been able to record like I would like to but uh no that's going to change we're going to be making this bigger priority in life um things have kind of smoothed out and you know i got a new job and just been working a lot traveling a lot um i was on the road for turkey season um i think i've been to a lot of states this past spring uh but i'm definitely here in arizona um for the rest of the year so looking forward to that and got some really cool content coming up for you guys uh, but to kick it all off, we got a good one. Um, I went back. This guy's been on the podcast before. Uh, some of you probably met him in person. His name is Travis Browning. He runs the shop over at Archery Headquarters. And the reason I wanted to talk to Trav, you know, other than just him being a cool guy, is I've got... So they always say, you know, if you've been shooting long enough, you're going to develop target fever. Shooting bow, I mean. Um, and I got it. I got target panic wicked. And at first, I was noticing it shooting indoors in the shop. You know, it's getting hot. I was shooting indoor a lot. And I was noticing it in there. And then, uh, so when I got my new bow, I went out to Ben Avery to verify my sight tape. Uh, we hit it through the chrono, put a tape on there. So, well, let's go make sure this tape's actually correct. So, shout out to Ben. And historically, I always do my warm-ups at, like, 40 yards. And my 40 was on. It was on. I said, all right, so let's go out. Let's see what does longer range. And I skipped 50, went right to 60. And I was noticing it at the 40, but at 60, I jumped so bad, I missed the bail. You know, it's a four by four foot stacked carbon carpet bale. I whiffed it completely. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, this ain't good. And yeah, then that was like, hey, I need to do a podcast. Um, you know, if I'm going to be talking to somebody about this, I'm probably not the only one that's ever dealt with it. So let's get this recorded. Let's get this out there. Um, and plus, it's just a good excuse to, to sit down and, and talk with Trav again. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to you guys hearing this one. Uh, at the end, I do want to throw in there, uh, we made a comment about the new, nothing bad, but a, a comment about the new deer regs with the quota system. I threw a little snafu in there saying that I wasn't sure how it worked. Um, I totally skipped over the part in the above you know, in the description above where, you know, the, the open dates and units and all that, it says right there on the top, uh, you have to, there's a phone number to call. Um, I think I put on there that I wasn't even sure, and it was, it was right there in black and white just above it. So, um, yeah, just a brain fart on my part. But, uh, yeah, no, I had a real good – I had a blast talking with Trav. Um, I got some real cool uh, guests coming up in the near future. I'm going to try to gun for a bi-weekly release starting today. And with that, let's get to the show. All right, thanks, guys, and I hope you guys enjoy. A doe, a deer, a female deer, Ray, 
a drop of golden tan. Ye, a name I call myself. <laughs> I don't know how I go. Do, do re mi fa sol la ti. No, that'll work. All right. I just want to make sure you're not maxing out, but you're doing pretty good. I'm loud. Yeah, you are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so let's let's get into this. Um, I guess before we get do, diving too deep, do you want to tell folks who you are? Yeah, um, my name's Travis Browning. I run the pro shop here at Archery Headquarters in Chandler, Arizona, and uh, Jess is one of our guys, and uh, he's been uh, he's a uh, he's having a little thing going on. We're going to talk about that's not something that uh, it's something you may only be able to talk to your uh, your local pro shop psychologist about. Yeah, psychologist is definitely the better word for it. Psychoanalyst, maybe. But yeah, so I guess diving into that, probably should say what I'm dealing with. All right, so got a new bow. Uh, started to shoot the new Dart Inspector E. Mm-hmm. Loving the rig. I mean, it just dials right in. Took it out to Ben Avery yesterday on the known range. Just wanted to dial in, verify a tape. Um, Isaiah and I set up the tape and uh, just wanted to just make sure it was on. And when I could break a shot clean, it's dead center. It's Money. a little bit of a left to it, but I was kind of not as worried about that for what was going on otherwise. Is I was like a jackrabbit, man. I was jumping like I was. Uh, I was telling folks. Apparently, it's a pretty, it's a pretty niche like Western thing. But I was telling everybody else. I was uh, being uh, Dale Brisby yesterday. I was just a super puncher all day. Uh huh. Hammering, dude. Just, uh, just we call it the command hammer. Yeah, but oh, I mean, yeah. so I'm dropping in and I'm almost doing like a drive-by shooting. Yep. And which is how I've always shot, done it my whole life. Yep. Um, got that figured out. But all of a sudden, like I could feel it starting to race, and it would jump, and I missed the bail at 60 yards. Mm-hmm. So we uh, so we call that a, a jink or a, a gitch, you know, a gitch. Yeah. You know, or and the gitch got me. Oh, buddy, and it it is so frustrating. So it's funny running a pro shop and doing this for a long time. Not only are we Botex, but a lot of this we're kind of uh, psychologists when it comes to to shooting and the mentality of shooting and in what you focus on and randy the owner here was just over we were just talking about that and you know and and what to focus on what not to focus on and the type a personality and wanting to force that pen on the target and this is it was awesome that that jess hit me up about this because i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the 40 yard story you know, this is this is not an uncommon thing. You know, before I started working here, you know, I would shoot, man. I mean, I'm a shooter. Yeah. You know, we go out, dude. You know, I embarrass guys at 100 yards, man, with Luminox on. Wait till the sun goes down and pull that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> hey, oh, I bet you 20 bucks I could put three down there. You know, within a you know couple inch group. And dude, I'm dude, I'm rock and roll, man. You know, I'm Bushido. I'm a ninja samurai master with a bow. You know, and uh, and then all of a sudden. Uh, I couldn't hit a target at 40 yards. Yep. Skipping them off the dirt at 40 yards. I almost switched to golf. <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, I got I got stuck. You know, I could not get the pin up to the target. You know, same thing. Yeah, same thing I'm dealing with. Yeah. Yep. Cannot get that pin up to the target. So I had to basically rewrite, and I came in here to talk to my bow tech, you know, the guy that sold me my bow and worked with me in shooting and everything. It came in here and told him what was going on and had to completely rewrite what was happening. You know, the, the problem is, you know, where our focus is, you know, yep. focusing on the pin, trying to get the pin to be stable on the target. And as soon as it gets close, man, you just got to hammer down and let the, the shot go. You know, like they can't wait. And that's what Randy was talking about is, you know, your mind says fire and you go and you 
jerk that shot way off. And it's, oh, it's so maddening because nothing you can do gets that pin up to the target. Yep. You know, so what we talk about quite a bit is where your focus is. So your peep sight, your sight housing, your pins, all that secondary vision. All of that. 100%. All of that has to be secondary vision, man. You stare at what you want to shoot at. Yep. With intent. I just, in the mind and the body, you know, that really it's the hand and the eye, are so incredible. You know, if I look through my peep, look through my housing, look through those pins to what I want to shoot at, and I stare with intent at what I want to shoot at, the hand and the eye will bring that pin automatically up to whatever I want to hit. And I, we, were, we talk about mantras. Mine is squeeze, 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 squeeze. Yep. Right? The pin comes up, and I just squeeze, 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 squeeze. And there's that magic moment. You keep the pin on the target after the shot, and you follow it in. And whatever you stare at, you'll hit. You know, I think Jess is going to go back and probably do a little blank bailing this morning. Yeah, probably a good chance for that. What is blank bailing? Blank bailing is you pretty much taking the whole full-size bail, um, and I put it out at like three yards. You're not going to miss the stupid thing. Uh, then you stand back in your line, and you, you take your shot process, but you close your eyes, and you take the target out of it. There's nothing, there's nothing on to shoot at because you're going to draw back. Um, the way I always do it is I draw back. I focus on – like. I stare like straight ahead, not at the target, but like straight ahead, like I'm looking down the shooting line, and just to make sure that I'm, you know, making sure that everything's safe. And then I come back, and right as I'm starting to hit my anchor, I close my eyes to finish my shot process. Um, so coming up, hitting anchor, um, knuckles, nose, the whole shebang. Um, making sure my grip feels good, and then after that, I'm just going through my normal shot process. Which training? So I shoot a thumb button release, and for me, it's it's putting it's it's loading that thumb, and then rotating my hand back to break that shot off, and ensuring that I'm getting a nice clean break. Um, and I'll do that. I try to do it at least once a week, but I also haven't been here for a month, so <laughs> I've been blank bailed in like a month and a half. Um, but yeah, so that's the blank bailing process, and yep. so I need I, to go do that. I, I so I did that too. I, I came in and blank bailed, and then you know because. I predominantly shoot index, and I just switched to handheld, so this has been a little bit different, uh, you know, process for me to, to switch over there and not launch it and launch my bow, which I've already done once. Uh, brand new Hoyt and Victor <laughs> went down the range. Brand new release, smacks into the bow, goes flying backwards. It was big fun, but uh, that's a different story. So what I would blank bail when that happened to me, you know, when I got it's real target panic, you know, when my target panic got really, really bad. You know, I came in and I would blank bail, blank bail, blank bail, and then I put on a no-fire release. Couldn't even get a shot off with an arrow on there. I put on a no-fire release, go to, and this is a, it has like a fake trigger on it. Yep. You know, it's an old school uh, true ball. The, the true fire is a little Yeah, true fire with the trigger on it. Yep. So I would, it's, it's, it's so funny. It's like dry fire drills, you know. I'd go to full draw with a no-fire on, hit my anchors, and force myself to allow that pin to come up. And they put my finger on a fake trigger, yeah. you know, come down, let off. You know, uh, one of our guys, Preston, you know, you know, Preston, yeah, Preston P Bear, P Bear, P Bear, P Bear, the best smelling man on the planet. <laughs> he is. I don't know. That guy, I want to steal one of his shirts, man. Wear it around, you know, but uh, it's be a Texas so, thing. so he is uh, the ultimate target panic. Uh, his pin even gets close, even yeah. gets close to. The, the objective, he has to go. 
He has to go. So I had him meet me up here. You know, and this is a guy that owns three different Matthews, you know, all the best stuff, hamskis. And in the archery dictionary next to the word turbo squirrel, yes, there's P-Bear. There's a picture of P-Bear. Yeah. He's that guy constantly tinkering, you know, with his rig and trying this and these arrows are out and the new vein this. And, that, you know, it's just one of those guys, you know, and it's awesome. This, you know, archery's awesome in that way. There's so many things you can do. He's a one-man R&D. Oh, dude. If he, if he can be broken, yeah, he will figure P-Bear's going to break it. So he was so bad, I was back there watching him shoot, and he calls me up. And he's like, man, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need help. I said, all right, meet me up here before we open about 9 o'clock, right? 9 o'clock. And he's one of these guys, the peep has to be perfect. He's got an ultra view, you know. I mean, his rig is bad, yeah. dude. He's trying to buy a lot of accuracy. Yeah. But if you can't get the pen near the target, it ain't going to matter. Right. So he comes in with $3,000 worth of setup, and he's putting his bow together. I said, nope, put that away. Put that away. He's like, what do you mean? Not put that away. You shooting your bow. We're not going to do that. So I take him in back, and I, we have these little mission rentals here. We rent bows here at Archery Headquarters, you know, and they Change are just plug. clapped out. You've seen them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. They're rental bows for kids, you know. We don't, we don't, they don't need to be tuned bullet holes for a kid to shoot 10 yards with, you know. So I take one, and I get it set up to his draw length, and I take the peep, and I drop the peep out of it. Mm-hmm. slide the peep all the way out. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you can shoot without a peep, man. On a clapped out, it's got a single horizontal pin on it with a blown out whisker biscuit. And we, I start him at 10 yards. And I have him go to full draw and I won't let him hit the trigger. Nope. Let it down. Go to full draw. Nope. Let it down. Go to full draw. All right, you're allowed to touch the trigger now. <laughs> and it was funny because he'd go to full draw and that thumb would come up and he'd smash it again. I'm like, no, I didn't tell you to squeeze the trigger, did I? I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. So working with this bow and with Preston with no peep on it, making some slight adjustments to the sight, after 20 minutes, he was shooting quarter size groups at, a, at 20 yards mm-hmm. without a peep, you know, because it took everything he worried about out of it. Because you can shoot peepless. Oh, yeah. You know, you eclipse the string. I have a peep in my bow and all my bows. I'm saying some people can do it. I ain't one of those guys. But, you know, it teaches you that it's not the equipment. It's not all this fancy stuff we run, you know. And then finally getting him to put the, his thumb on the, on, the, on, the, on the roller and squeeze, 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 pressing, man. Just, just, just stare at what you want to shoot at and just squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it. And we did that for an hour, mm-hmm. an hour. Backed him out to 30 yards, an hour. Finally, okay, now you can go put your bow together. Now we're going to shoot your bow, you know. And it's just these little things we work on to get rid of that kitsch, man, because it it's terrifying. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, your mind goes to, you know, it's – because, like, shooting, like, here in, in the shop range, you know, shooting at 30 yards, that's my warm-up range is at 30. And I, I shoot at – I don't shoot at a target. I shoot at a Sharpie mark on the bale. And I can – I'm knock-busting at, at 30 yards. But there's a safety aspect to it. Because you've got this whole bale. You've got the wall behind <laughs> you. Yeah, you, you might get a lot of – you're going to catch a lot of crap for sticking one in the rubber. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, won't be a pro shop without without that. <laughs> but uh, you get out to the main range. I don't know if it's that mentality of oh, it's if I miss, you know, I'm out twenty bucks mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because um, I'm, I mean, I'm shooting the VAP TKOs. Oh yeah. I mean, they're not a cheap arrow. Uh-uh. And uh, uh, and they go to 3D. It's another, it's another thing. But you didn't have that mentality of you know, I'm going hunting in a week. You know, yeah. some guys, you know, it depends on what. And that's why I like shooting. I like I, like, I shoot year round. Oh yeah. But, like, you see a lot of these guys that come out, and then I almost kind of wonder if it's almost better to 
have your bow under the table or uh-huh. like under your bed. Yep. Bring it out the week before because then you don't deal with this crap. You just shoot, you just shoot back and six or seven shots and you're like, yep, let's go. Bow's yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Like, is, that, is that the key? Like, no, the problem <laughs> is we love it. We love it, love it, love it. You know, and so I shoot it up at, up at Papago and they don't leave bales out. Right. They don't leave bales out. So I take it's my 24 by 24, 365 target out there. Same thing. 20 yards, pretty hard to miss. 30 yards. You get that little sucker out to 60, 70, 80. Oh, yeah. That's a little target. Yep. You know, so it really forces you to focus on the shots because you're shooting four by four bail all the time. It's always, ah, I get it on the next shot. Ah, I get it on the next shot. That safety aspect. Yeah, because yeah. you're not going to jink one off into the, you know, next county, do the walk of shame to the back berm, <laughs> looking for your arrow and hoping it's like salvageable. But, you know, and that's, uh, and shooting 3D is super important. So what's funny is like we shoot year round, you know, um, we come in early here and shoot and stay late and shoot and go shoot the 3D courses on the weekend and this and that. And that, that's a pretty constant thing. What's funny, when it comes up to hunting season, like about July, about July, mm-hmm. I'll only go shoot 3Ds. And I'll probably only take six shots on the course. Yep. I'll go out there and I won't warm up on the main range. I won't go out there and do that. You know, I'll roll straight out to the 3D course, pick the shots I want. You know, I, I like to practice quartering away, quartering to, kneeling, sitting, you know. Hunting and shots. Yeah. I want to put myself in that situation and in that mentality that I have one shot to do this, cold shotting, you know, and just shoot six arrows and making every single one count, you know, and backing off and getting some nice long shots, you know, and that 60-yard range at a 3D is terrifying for a lot of people. Still terrifying to me sometimes. Oh, yeah, you get that yeah. little, that 60-yard javelina or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go shoot the antelope at 75. Yeah. That's a small objective, and it really forces you to uh, dial in what you're doing and make every movement count because I'm not going to run the course and, oh, I, I'm going to shoot that one again. You know, ah, God, man, that was a bad shot. Nope, that was it. Yeah. Like, that was it. You just, you just shot a deer in the butt. You know, like, where's your head at? What are you doing? You know, so that's been my practice for a long time is to is is a couple of weeks before hunting season is to really knock off shooting paper in here. Mm-hmm. You know, we shoot target bows and dork around, do that stuff. But, you know, really when it comes down to hunting, man, like I want to take six really good shots. Yeah. You know, make sure my broad heads are tuned. Yes, go. I mean, because you're shooting mechanicals, too. You're going to. Uh, I have the world's jankiest quiver <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive so i have a five arrow quiver and i'll run three mechanicals one fixed blade and a small game head because i get bored yeah no i'm not going to shoot that squirrel i'm not i swear he okay he pops up one more time i'm gonna range him that's your last <laughs> chance little dude he pops up again i'm gonna try and shoot a squirrel 64 yards because we're the add kids out there sometimes you get bored but yeah the mechanicals for nice open clean shots you know because they fly so well mm-hmm. and the cutting diameter and the heads we run are just savage but if there's uh any question on a little bit of brush i'm gonna try and sneak i've tried to take those shots and never made one on pigs because they're always hiding somewhere and it's amazing oh, it's amazing what two millimeters worth of branch will do to an arrow's flight <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah been, i'll run there yeah every, everybody everybody does it there's a buck standing there and you're like oh i can get through there yeah i'll get through there you yeah i've done this in the range i can thread that needle uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so yeah so mechanic and, and you know at least one good fixed blade i like a nice little one inch cut 
you know, like a tooth of the arrow or annihilators are good. You know, there's a bunch of great heads out there. It's just about flight. Yep. You know, the mechanicals are nice because you're realistically out to 70, 80. Not that I'll take those shots with a bow, but, you know, you could definitely do it. Yep. You know, everybody says they're not going to take that shot till it's the last day and the buck of a lifetime walks out. And then you're like, I do this a lot at the range. Or you're kind of forced because something happened at 30 mm-hmm. and he runs out and he stops at, you know. Oh, yeah. He fought, by the time he, he slows down a little bit, you can – Mm-hmm. He's gonna look back and because mule deer, mule deer. Oh yeah, and he's gonna look back. What the hell was that? He's gonna be at eighty-two yards. Uh huh. And that is another nice thing. And I was watching videos and talk about this, but like when practicing out as far as we do, it's nice because you can make that shot. Yeah. Because once you draw blood, you know he's yours. Yeah. Well, it's so, on. But you just gotta make sure you're taking him home. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you chase and follow up and. Yeah. 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 That gets into ethical ramifications pretty quick. And yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But season's coming fast, man. Everybody's everybody's dialing in their equipment. You know, um, guys, if you're if you're if you're waiting to get your bow restrung, quit waiting. The bow manu- <laughs> the bow manu- I'm sorry, the string manufacturers are going to start getting backed up because everybody just got their draws. You know, as soon as uh, as soon as Arizona's deer draw comes in, we'll get hit again, and the string manufacturer is going to get way backed up. You know, and unfortunately, anytime you restring and retune a bow, you got to start from zero on that sight tape again. Yep. You know, we don't just slap them back together and everything's bingo. You know, you gotta you gotta go reconfirm all your distances and everything. And you know, we get guys that come running in here. You know, August first. Yep. You know, wanting to get their bow restrung and tuned, and you know, and I got to be like, well, your strings are probably going to be at this point three and a half weeks. You know, oh, what do you mean? You guys don't make strings here? No, man. Yeah, because we're not the only state that starts this early. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we are we were one of the earlier ones, but not the only early one. Mm-hmm. So we got everybody else's – every other state is getting ramp, ramped up. But what's going to be a big kicker is when those – like you said, those deer draws come out, a lot mm-hmm. of guys are going to realize they didn't draw a rifle tag this year. So, all right, we're going bow hunting. Yep. Take it out and dust it off, man. Take it you out start, and dust it off. You start looking, and you're like, oh, man, that string looks okay. I might get through another hunt. Yep. Ooh, oh, I've had guys come in here in the middle of their hunt and their camouflage – Looking for a string. Yep. Just looking for a string because they cut it, you know, or they popped it or tears in their eyes, you know. And I've monkeyed some stuff together around here that I'm not real proud of doing, but I, you can get them back in the hunt. Get them going. Uh-huh. You can reserve and refix. And I have a box of strings up here, you know, up in the Smithsonian upstairs, <laughs> you know. And I can, I can hobble together a string set occasionally, depending on what bow it is. But, you know, due diligence is to come in early. Let's get our rigs tuned up. Get shooting. Get broadhead tuning. Like, let's get the broadheads flying. If you're a fixed blade guy, let's get them flying good. Yep. You know, guys think they can just slap a uh, nice big fixed blade broadhead uh, on there. And uh, it's going to go right where their field points do. And, and sometimes that's the case. Other times you're throwing knuckleballs downrange. That happened to me last year. I was shooting. I was doing my preseason tuning. And uh, I won't name what, what one I had, but I was shooting a four-blade fix, uh, four fixer. Um, I had four four arrows done up with them. And three out of the four went with my field tips. Yep. That number four, which was actually number one in my quiver, just was just tanking at uh, – I think at 20 yards, I was dropping three inches. At 20 yards, I mean, it was just yep. low. Yeah, so I was, I was shooting with a buddy of mine. He's like, what the hell's going on with your rig? Uh-huh. I said, no, it was just the tuning. Went yep. back, had to mess around with some stuff, got it going with the other three. Because it's not it's not just that broadhead, but it's each individual broadhead needs to be done up. And Then I ran into the issue of I can't find replacement blades this year. Oh, can't find anything this year. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's where... 
nice part about going with the mechanical is you, you know you got the practice heads which we fly like them and um almost thinking this year because I'm, I'm making a swap this year yeah and i'm kind of debating on either going mechanical or going to a resharpenable fixed blade yeah not sure which one i got a couple in my mind but i'm not sure which one i'm going to go with um if i go that route but something that i can just touch up because i like being able to resharpen mm-hmm. and i went replacement blade because that was easy when you could find stuff oh yeah pre the pre-covid heydays uh-huh you know you can go to any shop. What didn't have to be a pro shop. You can go anywhere. You go to Walmart and buy replacement blades. Oh yeah, can't do that anymore. Mm-mm. No, it's funny, and you know, and that's a. And you go go rewinding just a second to numbering arrows. Yeah. You know, and you know, if if you look at my quiver when it's hunting time and where the arrows are, yep. there's a plus plus, which is my number one man. I've shot this arrow a couple times with the broadhead on it, dude, and it. It's a confidence thing. Yep. Like we, unfortunately, you know, we live in a state where you might not get nine shots on deer. You probably are going to get one really good opportunity, you know. And if if you hadn't done that with your broadheads and went to full draw on a 110-inch coos buck and that arrow took a dive, oh, I'll just sit down in the dirt and cry for a little bit. (laughs) You know, I'll just be crushed. But that's that due diligence and knowing which arrow, not which arrows, like which arrow. It's the same thing with broadheads. I don't, there's a million great broadheads out there. You know, we've been here for a long time. You know, the shop's been in operation for 32 years. So for a long time, mechanicals were just doo-doo and nobody liked them and they wouldn't deploy, you know. So guys have had bad experiences with them, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's perfectly fine. So that's just what I said. It's a confidence thing, you know. And this guy knows that he puts his old muzzy three blade on there, screws it on, that it's going to rock and roll for him. He shot them forever, yeah. and they're great, you know. And, and with the bows we shoot, I, it doesn't matter what you put on there. We shoot so fast now. You know, the bows we mm-hmm. shoot are that accurate. So if your diligence is good, you get him with a one-inch cut, and you're gonna, it's, it's going to be a good shot, you know, if you do what you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter. You can kill them with a field point nowadays, you know. <laughs> it's right. I mean, not open yet. Nope, not yeah. yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so we talked about, you know, getting getting the janks, getting, getting that going. What are some other issues, guys? What other typical issues are there for, that you see coming into the shop? Mm-hmm. Uh, sight tape's going to be one of the major ones because everybody – not everybody uh, – 90% of what we sell now is going to be some form of slider. Yep. Single pin slider, three pin slider, five pin slider, you know, spot hog double stack, you know, dual tracks. Uh, everything has a sight tape on it. You know, so when we sell a bow and we set it up and get your new sight leveled, second, third axis is rock and roll, and we pop one through the chrono, you know, and we cut out a sight tape and we stick it on there for you. You know, and we like to preface this, and I usually say it two or three times, you know, uh, that this is a rough starting point. Yep. This is a rough starting point because in order for that sight tape to be accurate for every bow I put it on, the poundage, draw length, arrow, vein, everything would have to be the same for that sight tape to be 100%. Sometimes, every once in a while, you slap one on there, and the guy goes out to confirm it, and he's like, did you put that sight tape on? Then it was money to 100 and that's where I'm at right now with that darkness. Yeah. I actually had to drop a speed. Um, mm-hmm. So Isaiah and I were talking about it, and the tape, the option, I'm shooting 280, 280 even on on the chrono. Yeah. The options for tape, I'm shooting a black gold single single pin. 
um, was 279 or 280.5. Mm-hmm. So made the decision, let's throw the 279 on there. Mm-hmm. And it is perfect. Spot on. It's My left right the only thing I had to, got to deal with. Like yeah. I said, I was... I was having some jinky shots, but I was able to break off some really clean ones that I'm confident with, and they were center of the white every time. Yeah. Le- well, elevation wise, I got like I said, I got a little left, a little bit of a left I got to get rid of, but yeah. I wasn't too worried about that after I missed the bail at 60 yards. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the two inch left kind of took a back seat. Yeah, that was that was lower prioritized. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. Sight tape's gonna be a big one. You know, go out and confirm. You know, for my you like the way I like to run a new bow with a single pin is I'll put a blank tape on there and take a, a fine sharpie with me, get my twenty set, and then I'll go shoot thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, yep. and then I'll measure the distance in between the the twenty and the seventy with a little caliper, and then I'll match that in the sight tape book, and then ballistically, most everything's good down to the half yard. You know, and but that takes a little bit of you know, work. But I tell guys, take a pen out there, you know, and if I have a sight tape on there and it turns out that your, your 60s really, mm-hmm. you know, 55, make a mark on there. Yep. Make them, again, just keep going. Make marks all the way down, then bring it in, and we'll help you pick the corresponding tape. Because, I mean, if you're shooting an FMJ, yeah, you know, I would imagine that tape was probably, when they made that book of tapes, it was probably done with, let's face it, a gold tip XT Hunter, mm-hmm. a 70-pound bow. At 28 and a half inches of draw. Yep. Right? With a 100 grain head. Yep. Standard across the board. Yeah, that's, that's everybody's bow. Yep. You know, and it, you get up into, you know, pulling 30 inches, medium weight arrow. If you're shooting, you know, lightning rods, you know, shooting a light arrow, you know, obviously, you know, you're going to start hitting a lot higher at yardage. Or if you're shooting an FMJ, your tape's going to be good to 40. Yep. And it's going to. Oh, then she's going to start tanking, falling out of the sky. So, yeah, sight tape's going to be another, another really, really big thing to take care of because like i said just because we chrono it and slap it on there does not mean that that is going to work ex- perfectly for you so go out and confirm right because just an example for me last year like i've totally redid my setup this year um i was shooting a 65 pound bow uh 20 well i was shooting 27 and a half inch draw length uh with an eastern axis arrow which they gpi in the high mid mid nine i think it was the gpi like nine five yeah um, and I started shooting, I was shooting 125 grain heads, uh, grew up shooting 125s. That's what my dad's always shot. Mm-hmm. So I went 125, um, a little bit of overspine, you know, corrected that on this, in the spine issues, um, on paper, like through paper money. money, it was perfect. Um, well, I mean, you saw, we backed up to the end of the hallway oh, yeah. and shot and it was at like 10 yards, I was still bullet holing uh-huh. with that arrow. So, I mean, they just perfect, but that sight tape, like you said, after it was about 50, not quite 55 yards, but more than like 53, 54. Um, I started noticing my tape wasn't reading 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wound up having to go to a lot faster tape. I think I was shooting a five or six FPS faster tape, um, just because I, what I think was happening was that 125 I was carrying a little bit more momentum, and but I also noticed that with blazer veins, I was parachuting wicked. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching. And by parachuting, for folks who don't know, parachuting is. There's too much drag on the back of the arrow. Just like you picture like a dragster going down, they launch that parachute out there. Um, and so I was shooting a blazer vein, a nice, a tall, stiff vein, short. Um, but it was putting too much drag on. And I could watch my arrow corkscrew going down range past about that 55 mark. Mm-hmm. I would just, yep. I just watch it going in. Um, 
and it was really affecting my downrange accuracy. Like, if I was perfect, I can get on, but that because I was trying to fight that parachute. Yeah. But went to, um, I went from that to a. I forget what the proper name. I call always called the shield cuts. I forget what the proper name for the shield cuts. Are. Oh yeah, that that three inch shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to that and I corrected it, mm -hmm. but it got rid of a lot of that drag. Um, and then this year I've gone to the shield the par uh, parabolic cut. The, oh yeah. the Broncos. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I totally swapped up my arrow, but I went to a VAP TKO, yep. 50 grain insert. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so change that up, but I haven't noticed that parachuting at all. Yeah, um, which has been awesome. It's actually feel like I'm. Back on where I need to be again. Yeah, well, there's nothing There's nothing free in archery. No. There's nothing free. You change your vein. You know, what's funny is I don't even change my D-loop color. You know, <laughs> you're real weird about this stuff. But, yeah, you change veins, everything, everything. You know, you shoot a lower profile vein. You shoot a heat vein. You know, there's, there's no one ring to rule them all. It's not like I can, you know, that we can set up one arrow that's going to work perfectly for everybody yeah you know if you have uh a tendency to torque your bow a little bit you're going to want a little more steering yep. you know if you're captain perfection with that front hand you might not need that much vein you can go the 2.5 inch x vein you know but you got to go out and shoot these things and i and what's funny is i don't care what it does at 40 yards yep at 40 yards you can almost cut one vein off and you're going to be off by just a little bit yeah. You know, like I said, these bows deliver so fast that at 40 yards, it just doesn't matter. I want to know what it does at 50, 60. Yeah. You know, with every new bow, every single year, you know, I'll make up a dozen arrows and I'll do sets of threes with different veins on them. Mm -hmm. And I'll go group shoot them at like 60 yards, 70 yards, you know, and it's kind of a round robin. I'll shoot these against these ones, these against these ones, and just keep narrowing it down till I get two, you know, two different veins. And I'll shoot those side by side and whichever one comes up with a tighter group. You know, and they're like swimwear, man. Yep. You know, and that's that due diligence. That's knowing your equipment and being good with your equipment and maintaining your equipment. You know, how about we wax our strings every once in a while? If, it, if it's been on the back of a side-by-side -side and it's covered in dust and grit, might not be a bad idea to get that cleaned up. You know, so just, just, re uh oh, he's got, uh oh, he's got the regs in his hand. Uh oh. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head the opening day. I, I want to say August 16th this year, and I just want to make sure that I'm right. Yeah. I was not right. August 19th. 19th, yeah. 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 Oh, it's going to be a weird year. It's. You want to dive into that? We can talk about it for a minute. Yeah. I mean, I work with him, I don't work for him. <laughs> 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 we won't say we won't say anything bad about Arizona Game and Fish because I would like to get drawn at some point. I feel if we poop poo them, they're going to be red flagged every time my app comes up. <laughs> you know, every time my every time my app comes up, he's like, "Oh, remember that podcast? Yeah, yeah no tag for you. One year." <laughs> <laughs> so just get into that. So this year is going to be the first year we've gone to. They're calling it a harvest limit. It's a quota system. Mm -hmm. It's really no different than how bears have been historically um just higher numbers with sow limits uh i guess like what do we want to say about it like all right well here's my my <laughs> only, here's my only issue my I, I hunt in a unit like everybody else hunts in their unit i'm not gonna tell you what unit but right. i have my unit and i have worked for a very long time in that unit to be successful I, in any state really in any hunting i believe 
you really got to dial in, spend time in your unit, in your areas, know what's going on in there, what the animals do, when they do it. So we devote all this time, you know, to knowing our unit. And, and that, that really is a huge key to success. Now, right. some guys get lucky and they just hop out the side by side and there's a buck standing there and they shoot when they come in here. And they're like, I thought you said archery hunting was hard. <laughs> I'm like, I hope you enjoyed that moment because I hope that's your last one. You know, some of us get our butts kicked. You know, and spend most a lot, of us get our butts yeah, kicked. Spend a lot of time in our units and driving and glassing and hiking into our tanks and doing these things. My biggest fear is because we don't, you know, we don't usually get out on opening day. You know, we're closed Sunday, Monday. So realistically, like we could sneak out on a, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, and what if on my opening day, uh, I don't know, are we calling a hotline? I'm, I'm praying they got it online the quotas because there's a lot of units if it's, it's like the bear they one, they started going online with the bears so yeah okay good yeah because it used to be you'd call the bear hotline for 15 minutes and they break down what was open what wasn't and you know no it went online last year year oh, four okay. yeah i didn't hunt bears last year i was still working at the airport when yeah when that went online so yeah so you know before you go out and hunt you know if i get up on my opening morning and i get everything loaded up and i'm excited to head out and i hit the online thing my unit's closed but what I think is going to happen, and I don't know if it's in there right now. Yeah, mandatory reporting. I thought you had 48 hours or something. Well, you got 48 hours to report, but if it's like Bear, you've got until the following Wednesday. Yeah. So really, if you called in Thursday morning, mm -hmm. regardless of if they, they hit the quota, you've got until next Wednesday to yeah. hunt. Okay. I, I'm thinking yeah, um, we double check that. This is uh, these are only opinions. <laughs> I just found out how Point Guard Plus worked yesterday. Yeah, I was uh, luckily I was at the headquarters. Yeah. I was able to walk up to dispatch and and ask them because there is. Well, I've been that after this. Yeah, because I think that is something that there's been some misinformation put out, and I yeah. got it corrected. So I'm, I'm going to throw that on, on here. Um, I'm probably going to get canceled for this, but I kind of like this. Oh no, it's I kind of like yeah. I like it in the regard that we're finally going to have data. Good numbers. And being from a background where I came from, I'm a wildlife guy for years. <laughs> um, I was a technician and biologist for 10 years before I got into the R3 side of things. But with Arizona, we, ne we never had mandatory reporting. Nope. So we don't know 100% what the success rates are. I think it's lower than what – you always see the number 3% thrown around. It's a 3% success rate, huh? But we got nothing to actually say that. No. It's just a guess. So – and I was talking to a buddy of mine on this um, – we were, we were talking on Instagram the other day about it, and uh, I think this first year there's going to be a lot of belly aching. Mm -hmm. there, it's hunting. There's guys are going to belly oh, ache. Oh, yeah. Um, but – and I think a lot of forkies are going to die this year. Oh, yeah. Guys are going to take that first buck because mm -hmm. I think they're scared they're not going to get it. But I almost, I almost kind of wonder, there's two trains of thought I have going with this. One, guys think they're a lot better hunters than they actually are. They're not saying they're bad hunters, but it's not an easy state to kill a deer in. No. With a bow especially. Yeah. Um, and two, they know they're not the best hunter. Mm-hmm. But they think everybody else is. They have that, like, an inferiority complex. Yeah. So they're going to take that first opportunity for that small buck. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to say it disparagingly because I've eaten a lot of spikes and four corners uh -huh. in my life. Oh, yeah. I've I got a lot of 11s, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's always uh, 
So come from back east, it was always a lot easier to clean a spike, yeah. uh, a spike buck. Yeah. Cause you go, you can find a side hill with soft dirt, stick his horns right in the dirt, and just, <laughs> so that way when you're cleaning them out, all that blood runs down. Runs down. Uh, I never heard that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot easier because you just take that them horns and stick them right in the dirt and just holds them there while you just let the entrails kind of. Oh hillbillies. Oh, you gotta love it. Um, redneck ingenuity, man. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But so I think this first year is gonna be rough. Just we're gonna see a lot of stuff mm-hmm. we'll put it that way we're gonna see a lot of stuff this year but i think a lot of people are gonna get their eyes open too and yeah. i th- i think we need to have this for a i, I say a minimum of three years mm-hmm. of going to because i mean these these hunt limits are going to fluctuate you know as the numbers come in we find out actually guys are killing more deer or less deer than we thought um and right now, I can already I can feel somebody set, uh, sending me a text right now. Saying, oh yeah, shut the hell up. Oh yeah. Um, but with these numbers, I think it's just gonna be better management. Yeah, I I can tell you, you know, working here for a lot of years, I deal with a lot of bow hunters. Mm-hmm. You hang out in a pro shop long enough, you know, I talk to a lot of guys that do a lot of hunting, mm-hmm. and I have uh, taken a lot of really nice hikes with their bow. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an incredibly difficult state. You know, a couple of years ago when the monsoons were late, obviously if you had good water, that year was a slaughter. You know, but if the monsoons hit right before the, you know, the deer opener, you know, then sitting water is kind of blown out and then you actually have to go hunt, hunt. And not that not the sitting water isn't hunting. Don't get me wrong. If you, 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 think, you think it's easy, go sit in a blind when it's 115 <laughs> out and humid. You know, but, you know, I'm with you. Um, I think the success rates are actually a lot lower than what everybody thinks they are. Yeah. You know, and, and hey, you, you cannot argue with data. No, it's – and it's bringing up to mind, too, there was an article. I forget whose page it was on. Um go hunt or somebody but they were talking about how five percent of the hunters mm-hmm. killed 90 percent of the wildlife oh yeah of the animals yeah you know it's it's and they're the ones we're seeing on social media oh, that, oh the grip and grin oh yeah no 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 because every, yeah. every like you look at my instagram during hunting season and i'm tearing up you know <laughs> everybody else is killing deer but me yeah everybody else drives a f-350 platinum but me yeah you know so you roll the yeah and then you know and that's just the social media that you either love it or it's, hate it it's a high it's just a highlight yes i mean guys do show the bad mm-hmm. and they usually get lambasted for it oh yeah but yeah no it, it, listen i it, it change is always going to hurt it's always going to be scary you know, and how many guys actually re- actually report? I mean, how many guys fill out that survey that they send? Right. How many guys sit down at the table, fill that thing out, and put it in the mailbox? Yep. That's why we're here. If everybody sat down to fill that out, to fill that out, every single guy that got one of those surveys, we right. have really good numbers. Well, it's like you were saying, not every, it's everything and nothing life comes free. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody always wants to say that hunter, hunting is conservation. Yes. But for that, you've got to participate in the conservation process. We have to have good data. And we're at a point now where why wouldn't we have good data? Right. You know, you know we, we're, like you said, most everybody else has been mandatory reporting for a long time. And, you know, and, and, and ethical people will behave ethically all the time. Yeah. If they come out and say you have to report, you know, guys are going to call in and do it. 
because it's the right thing to do. It is now in the regs. You know, this is going to be very difficult to, you know, uh, enforce. You're counting on, on the good nature of people, yep. you know. But, you know, I mean, it, it'll be one of those things. Like if you're hunting the Young Road in the really popular areas, you know, I would imagine we'll see some checkpoints this year. You know, we'll probably see a lot more Game of Fish officers in some of the units and, you know, making sure everybody's cool and, and reporting. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I hope guys do report because I'm with you. I think the success rates are a lot lower than what we think they are, you know, which will see our numbers inflate yep. for our over-the-counter deer. You know, my big deal is take away optics from rifle hunters. <laughs> Iron sights only or no magnification, you know. You got to shoot a 1982 Weaver. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I'll get rid of optics, but anything over a 3, uh, three to 9. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are like, saying that I got a 3 to 10 on my rifle, but still. Yeah, right. Well, what's, what's funny is Arizona is terrible for bow hunting in a lot of aspects because we don't have the cover. It's incredibly difficult, you know, what we have to do to hunt. But Arizona is amazing oh, yeah. for whitetail and a super, super, you know, like a great optic and a BTX and your buddy, you know, because our line of sight out here is incredible. Oh, when yeah. it comes to glassing, you get on a hill with a BTX and your buddy's got 15s, dude, you own the area. Yeah. And the rifles we shoot now are so absolutely amazingly accurate at mm-hmm. long distances, you know. So, yeah, it sucks for bow hunters, but for rifle hunters, holy cow. This place, yeah. I mean, even just going back, like, I, I love reading the old Jack O'Connors yeah, when he yeah. was hunting here. and uh, One of my favorites is Game of the Desert. Um, and in it, he's always talking about, like, the first time he got – he was hunting uh, pighorns, like, yeah. down on the, on the border and hunting with, like, an old, like, Griffin and Howell 30-06 iron sights. I think afterwards he put, like, a weaver – it was like a K4, or maybe it was even a K2.5. Yeah. But he's talking about like the the game changer was when he got his first set of binoculars, and oh. there were seven powers. Yeah. And how it just opened up this new world. Oh yeah. And this is old, like, uh, like rough prism, oh, seven yeah. power. You can guarantee the glass is cloudy. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And you know now it's like. With my tax bracket, I run Vortex. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. I mean, but, but we have so many guys running the Suaros and the Zeiss. Um, the new SIGs are unreal. Oh, Maven. Everybody's making great glass, dude. Yeah. Everybody's making banger glass. Yeah. And it's, but even with that, like, guys get it done with Weaver, cro- or not Weaver, uh, Vortex Crossfires. Oh, yeah. That's what's on my 7mm, my hunting rifle. Yep. Like, I take my 6.5 out, and it's fun to shoot, you know, because, you know, I got a man bun. <laughs> and I put on my Birkenstocks and my Namaste sticker and go shoot my 6.5. But I got a, I got a Tika T3 light, you know, 7 yep. millimeter with a crossfire on it. Yep. You know, that's my elk hammer, you know. She's flat to 5, you yep. know. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm good to 4. I threw a – I just upgraded from a VX1 yeah. loophole up to a, the V3, uh-huh. the VX3i. Yep. Do I regret my choice? No. Do I? Did I need it? No. This is not a need game. This is a want this game, and I wanted it. You'd be <laughs> out there with lever action 30-30 and iron sights all day long, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's my goal for this next year is not for deer, but with uh, I want to draw a rifle Havalina tag. Oh, yeah. I've got a lever action 357. Uh-huh. You know, the Rossi reproduction of a Winchester oh, yeah. 92. Yeah. That thing is so much fun. Yeah. What's funny is Brent, that used to work here, Brent Perkins, shot his pig with a flintlock. Yep. 
Thing I was with him on that hunt. Don't worry. I didn't know you went with him. Yeah. He's such a goon, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I was just – I heard the shot. Yeah. I was just over the ridge bull hunting. Uh, only guy I know that traded something off on a 50-pound flintlock, dude. It's like nine feet long. Oh, but that that thing is so much fun. Oh, yeah. You'll smoke poles. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, back back to the numbers game. Oh, yeah, back to actual bow hunting. Yeah, right? Well, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's hunting in general, man. Like I said, we're, we're, we're two-season hunters. You know, I'll hunt rifle. I, I love to hunt archery. Obviously, that's my passion. But I never poo-poo anybody on their style of hunting, what they like to hunt, what they like to do. You know, so. But, yeah, I, I don't. There's no real downside, I believe, in, in mandatory reporting. I think we can only see our units get better. You know, you notice they opened up 1-27 and 27 again because, you know, they shut units down. Yep. You know, and now when we get up to one and twenty-seven, you know, for for archery deer up there, and obviously, you know, that is God's country. I mean, oh. Up in the White Mountains, you cannot beat one and twenty-seven for the game in there. Yeah, only thing better than that's the Kaibab. But you know, so it, it it works. You know, they're they're not dummies down at Arizona Game and Fish. No, there's some incredibly bright people. You know? Yeah, I mean, they get, and maybe I'm I got biased because I've worked for state agencies. Yeah. my entire professional career. But I don't understand where a lot of this comes from. Like, I I mean, yeah, a lot of it gets worded out. It's cash cow. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to come up with new re- uh, product resources because Pittman-Robertson is running out. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting tax dollars. Nope. It's all what they can generate. It's all self. and But at, at the bio level these folks are in it it's not all hook and bullet no but these folks are in it for the wildlife mm-hmm. and you know making sure that resource is there for future generations like i don't have kids but i want my nephew to come out here and yeah you know i want him to be able to hunt mule deer 100 percent. and you know we've been in decline since the 1980s mm-hmm. across the west not just arizona but yeah across the west of muleys and but i want him to be able to still go out and see a big square frame three by three mm-hmm. that Cause I love big deer. Oh yeah. But there's something about a square three by. Uh huh. Is that your money maker? <laughs> oh, that's what gets that gets it done for me. Is a yeah. nice three by or a nice. Oh, yeah. When they're super symmetrical and tall. Yeah. You know, I like the big wide fours. You know, and it's just yeah. it, the mule deer is a majestic animal. Yeah. You know, especially when you see one of the big monarchs out there. And I like think that's what did it for me was my first real introduction to mule deer was in Idaho. Yeah. Up in the northern Rockies. Uh-huh. And so you get that big winter coat on. Oh, yeah. He's got the big chocolate horns. Uh-huh. But something about it, like, because I grew up watching, like, the eastern, the eastern videos in oh, Wyoming. Yeah. You got those big, wide, you know, the big, the wide three and fours. Yep. But something about a nice, big Idaho Rocky. Yep. Just and I'm starting to learn to like these deserts too. But. Ah, dude. Well, it's, it's a, it's a, there, there's a, there's a distinct beauty to any anywhere you go in the wilderness. Oh yeah. You know, out here is kind of a stark beauty. You know, you get out in the desert, it's it's kind of stark and and barren yeah. in some spots, and I think there is a beauty to that. But you know, um, yeah. but once again, I you know, it's they're not doing this to punish us. No. And the problem the problem is you know it's not a problem it's just a mindset. You know, especially Arizona, we've been OTC, you know, kind of Wild West for a long time. You know, we are that hunting community that doesn't like to be told what to do in general. Yep. I mean, these are people that, that, that survive in some harsh environments and hiking and doing some places that are, that are you know, not necessarily hospitable and just tough people to be able to come out here. And, you know, in August, 
and pull a couple miles and go and kind of you know self-sufficient and you know and, and rules are bad you know and, and <laughs> i don't want ain't nobody gonna tell me how to hunt you know yep. And that's always going to be the way it is, but, you know, from a conservation aspect and growing our units and, you know, and there, there's nothing wrong with having data. No. Like I said, they're not trying to punish us, you know, and eventually, yes, we'll probably lose over the counter and a lot of units and, you know. Yeah, but I don't see how it's good. I don't, yeah, I probably shouldn't be saying anything before the numbers come out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of speculation out there, but that's. In my mind, it's all it is right now. Yeah. It's speculation. Speculation. 100%. We'll yeah. see. Change Change is always scary. You know, nobody likes more rules, but, no. <laughs> you know, like I said, they're not dummies down there. They're not doing it because they were bored, you know. So it, it'll be what it's going to be. You know, um, I'm excited for season. You know, new rigs are rock and roll. And, uh, yeah, uh, whew, like I said, jump on it. Let's get going. And uh, Yep. Everybody's healthy and happy and shooting their bows, man. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I got one last question for you. Yep. What's your fall look like? My fall? Yeah. What do you got? You got any big hunts uh, coming up? You got big plans? Like, mm, what does Travis Brownsville's fall we, look like? We got to see what the deer draw. Deer draw pulls out, you know, because that'll really dictate, you yep. know, what happens, you know, because I have back to back the Kaibab before, you yep. know, Randy back to back it one year, you know, so I. I like to I like to remain positive that I'll get a I'll get a redeemer trip back to the Bab, yep. you know. So so that'll hit, and then I'll probably sneak out to Colorado, you know. My partner Ryan, I think he drew a, a deer tag, and then he wants to hunt OTC elk out there again, which is a terrible idea every time. But I go, yep. you know, because you're still hunting, you know, six elk and three hundred thousand acres, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's going to be good actually. I'm I'm pretty excited for the season and. You know, and uh, we'll see what happens. And, uh, yeah, it's just starting to get hot, so it's time to start hiking and checking water. It's definitely time to oh, start yeah. checking water. No, it's boots on the ground time. I, you know, I don't have any big hunts coming up. You know, we're, we're planning a Sika, Sika blacktail here coming up, you know, within the next year or two, you know, trying to get up to Alaska and do that hunt. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Chris Denham about what, what is the best hunt, bang for your buck, and he – didn't even hesitate. And this is a man that's been everywhere and, and hunted yeah. everywhere. He said, sick of blacktail, hands down. And I got a lot of guys here that have done that hunt. And they say, dude, it's, if the weather's good, it's awesome. Yeah, but it's Alaska. Yeah, it's, the weather might not be good. <laughs> it might not be good. <laughs> <laughs> might be sitting on the boat for quite some time. Yeah. But, yeah, so, no, nah, no huge plans this year. You know, um, yeah, we're just going to kind of play it by ear and see what happens and what I can sneak out and do and pull off and – Right now, folks, it's going to be uh, breaking 100 inches on a coos whitetail. Sounds like a pretty good goal. <laughs> <laughs> just need a real dumb big one yep. to stumble out, maybe fall and bonk his head and just going to stand there and let me shoot him. Look, <laughs> see, not a lot of 100 inches out there are dumb. No, uh-uh, <laughs> you don't get that big by being stupid. <laughs> no, hell no. But All right, Trav, let's wrap it up there. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I uh, hope everybody's having a blessed day and get out there and shoot your bow. All right. <laughs>